Conspiracies Unlocked, and today we have a special guest because it's my birthday, and our special guest is my husband, Brad. Say hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Okay, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. Um, so he came to take us out to lunch, and I decided that I wanted to record this episode really quickly, so now he gets to sit in here with us. So exciting. But I also wanted to talk about um, how I went to the races this past week. We went to Bakersfield, and Brad won the race. Yay! He not only won the race, he won the championship, the points championship for the year. So he is officially the 2023 NHRA Heritage Series champion. National champion. National champion. I was going to say of the world, but I guess he's not of the world. It's just of the of nation. America. Of fucking America. <laughs> he is the national so, champion of America. So now he gets a big, big Wally and a medium-sized Wally and then a really obnoxious three-tiered. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, that is a the, really big trophy. The trophy is literally three-tiered. It's like three tiers tall, like three, and it's like, I don't know, three feet tall. And it is ridiculous. And it's only... Only because he won the hot rod reunion like that specific race usually you just get like a little wally which is like a little like their their yeah. statue like the oscars or the yeah. academy awards or whatever it's the wally and um they this other one is is just no other race has an additional trophy except for this one we've he's already won one before so now he has two of these obnoxiously large Trophies and every year that we get it, I'm like, this is obnoxious. He and, has to live at work. And yeah, they they all of his trophies live at work in one of the offices. That's what I was gonna ask. Where are you gonna put it? <laughs> yeah, they are all there. He has a whole shelf. We actually have to get another shelf. He has little like he has five champ five championship or six now five championships, and then he has how many little wallies for the races? Eleven, Eleven little wallies. So that's pretty impressive. It's fun, and um, our child, our seven-year-old Max, was really learning and working on the car this time. He got oil all over him. He got oil. He got wow. dirty. He was actually had a wrench to the car and was like changing out oil and stuff. I saw some pictures too. I think you posted them, Brad, on on Facebook, yeah. and you showed me a couple at your yeah. house too. And he's definitely following in your footsteps. I can see him going like all the way when he's older. Yeah, he yeah. he's really he's always been into it. Um, and it's not something that we pushed him into either. Um, I was very I didn't want him to be pushed into it or swayed. So, like their their nursery was Dr. Seuss. Everything yeah. was very like generic because I didn't want to push him in any direction. He just gravitated towards that. Whereas like Cody doesn't give up fuck about the races. And like, did any of you tell me that he said the races smelled funny or something? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he said something about his Bakersfield in general. I thought he meant from all of like the exhaust. Oh, yeah. They're used to that smell. There's a fertilizer farm right next door. <laughs> and so, and at night it gets really bad and I had the windows in the trailer open and we're sleeping there. We're trying to go to bed and all of a sudden 
Cody goes, or Max, one of them says, this smells like poop. And Cody goes, yeah, what is that? And I was like, it's just Bakersfield. I mean, it's just what Bakersfield smells like. But it's shit. It? And so then all of a sudden, Cody says, it smells like chicka chicka boom poop. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I Impossibility. 
everybody is influenced by media in some way or another. Um, everything you read and hear can change your change and influence your perceptive perspective of the world and everybody around you. Um, we definitely see how the media plays a part in current affairs, such as hashtag free Britney. Mm-hmm. We uh, congratulations, social media. We freed Britney. And I 100% I really love Britney Spears. I've been to so many of her concerts. and uh, But I will say that as a long life, I'm a life fan of Britney, I am concerned. Yeah. I'm so, very concerned. And you know that we were on the free, free Britney. Britney. Yeah. And I'm 100%. I think that the only reason Britney was freed from her conserva- conservativeship is so solely because of the media influence. Hugely partly, yeah. A hundred percent. And guess what? Like, the people may have been wrong in freeing her. Yeah, like, now she's dancing completely. around with knives and, and like, stripper poles. You know what? That's a different story for a different she's day. So hot. Oh, yeah, but, she's hot. Brittany's always hot. I don't know. Her eyes look kind of weird. Uh, you know, the thing with Brittany is I really feel that I know this isn't a Brittany episode, but I feel like really sad for her because she's been controlled so much. She has like no relationship with her children. She has like, it doesn't seem like she has any relationship with any friends or family. She no. seems so isolated and, and alone and alone. And that's one of my main concerns for her because let's say she was like a mentally stable person or she's on the right medication if she needs them or whatever anybody who's going to be isolated like that is going to start drifting the other way and you're going to have you have to have human interaction so I feel Definitely. like when she's it's, doing these like Instagram things yeah, it's she is looking for attention because maybe she doesn't have anybody to talk to or anything like where are her friends like celebrities like all these people that were at her wedding like hello uh, Drew Barrymore was there. Madonna was there. Selena Gomez was there, and multiple other people. Like, go visit Britney. How is Britney? Check on Britney. She was famous then. She's not famous no more. She uh, just she, got married a few years. Well, she's getting divorced. She's now, getting but, divorced from that Sam guy. It wasn't she, that long ago. Um, she's almost like Michael Jackson. She's almost hit that celebrity. She couldn't go because she can't go to the store. She can't. She she's so isolated, and that's how Michael Jackson felt his entire life. Yeah, she needs interaction with people. Everybody needs interaction. I know, but I think that's what's kind of throwing her off right now. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, we're gonna move on. Okay, so the media even influenced the Salem witch hunts. And those murders in the 1600s. Oh, gosh. We can, so it goes yeah. on and on what the media does. It's not, you know, it, the media is everywhere and it just it influences you. News outlets and journalism have a responsibility to report news and facts in an unbiased manner, which definitely has been forgotten in the past. And now I think it's just lost. Mm-hmm. New, journalists are not doing what they are, they are supposed to do. Um, the tragic case of Leo Frank is completely the media's fault. His death and many other deaths have occurred because of the influence the media has on people. This story should serve as a cautionary tale of what happens when the media goes too far. Leo Frank was born Leo Max Frank on April 17, 1884 in Quero, Texas to Rudolph Frank and Rachel Jacobs. They were Jewish American and moved to Brooklyn when Leo was only three months old. He graduated Pratt Institute in New York in 1902. Next, he went to Cornell University. He graduated in 1906 with a degree in mechanical engineer, engineering. 
His uncle, Moses, was a major shareholder for the National Pencil Company, which was a manufacturing plant. Oh. Uncle Moses got Frank a job there. Uh, got Leo Frank a job there. Leo started working with them in August of 1908 after training and gaining the knowledge of the pencil manufacturing business. Mm. Leo was given the title of superintendent of the Atlanta, Georgia factory. Leo made $180 a week, which is equivalent. I did math. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. Okay, so I totally lied. I didn't do the math because I suck at math. I went into Google and did the inflation calculator, <laughs> and it told me that that is equivalent to more than $5,500 per week nowadays. Oh, wow. Which equates to 286000 per year or $137.50 per hour. I that job. Dang. And you know what? I was just thinking about that, too. That would be a really good business to get into during that time because you have to think before that they had, like, quills and ink, right, mm-hmm. like, for writing. And now they have a manufacturer company where they can um, manufacture, like, a lot of pencils, obviously. It's like, yeah. uh, what's it called? A assembly mass, line. Like mass assembly, production yeah. assembly line. So there's a lot of where money. Now, now it's just uh, machines that do it. Yeah. People don't. It's not assembly line. Anyways. That's a, that's a lot of money because it's new technology most likely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so he, um, he was definitely like not underpaid. He was. He and was not, rolling. He was rolling <laughs> he was hard. Rolling. Not only did he earn that like base salary, he also earned a percentage of the profits. Oh, smart. So he was fucking like. He was a businessman for sure. He, yeah. he, yeah, he was sitting pretty. So while in Atlanta working, he met Lucille Selig, which came, whom came from a wealthy Jewish family. So it's like a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, they were happily married in November of 1910. Two years later, in 1912, Leo was elected the president of the Breith, which is a Jewish fraternal organization. Mm-hmm. So he was very involved with his family. He was very... Um, the community, the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. Leo and Lucille enjoyed the traditional Jewish lifestyle as well as going to the opera and playing bridge. Mm -hmm. They were happy and content until April 21st, 1913, when a 13-year-old girl who worked for Leo's pencil factory was laid off due to material shortages. On April, which, by the way, she's 13 years old. Yeah, there's no labor laws. Mm -mm, 1913. 1913. On April 26th, she went back to the factory around noon to collect her last pay. No one saw her alive again. Dun, 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 dun. She's 13, she disappeared. So Mary, her name was Mary Fagan, and she was born June 1st, 1899, into a family of farmers in Georgia. Unfortunately, her father died before she was born. Before she was able to, like, be born. Yeah. So she was already conceived, obviously. So he never saw her. So he never saw her. Um, so her mother relocated back to her to the mother's hometown to be with her family in Marietta, Georgia. Then shortly after, again, to East Point, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta. Her mother opened a boarding house, and Mary had an extremely poor and inconsistent childhood. Like, always moving and, you know... And, single, that, and back like then, single mom was probably hard back then. Yeah, you couldn't really work, right? You can't even. You no. Well, you could, but you couldn't even get like a. You couldn't even open a card. Like I'm not the head credit cards, but you couldn't get anything in your name. You had to have a man. My grandma was single uh, in the '60s, and she had to have her uncle or her brother 
sign for a house, sign for a car, sign for credit card, sign for everything for her because you needed a man to do all that. As a woman, you didn't have rights yeah. to do that, even in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, not that everybody thought less of you, like you weren't a real person. Like, yeah. yeah, why don't you have a husband? Yeah, like, what's yeah. wrong with you? Like, what did you do? Like, yeah, why do you have all these kids? It's super weird, husband. like, you know, but... yeah. Now it's just normal. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's true. I don't know that that's any better, but. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, like uh, he he died, so it wasn't like she. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. She was a widow. Uh, yeah, I guess you're a widower. That's not so bad. But still, yeah. you still don't have the rights when when the bank sees you. You're not able to get out alone or anything. You so have to have a man. Chicks that dressed up like guys now back then, you'd be set. I think that they tried to. I think that's kind of what started the whole women's lib thing. But anyways, <laughs> so she she had a very poor upbringing. She didn't um, to move nowadays. It's it's not so hard as back then to to have to move and be resettled and get new jobs and stuff yeah. like that. It, it's not okay back then. And it, so, horses and crap to move. It was like a whole issue. Yeah, it and wasn't it, just like getting a moving van. It was like getting a moving horse. In 1912, her mother remarried, and she moved yet again, but this time to the actual city of Atlanta, Georgia. This is when she gained employment, making 10 cents an hour, working 55 hours a week. Wow. This is equivalent to $3.11 per hour nowadays, and only $171.05 per week for nowadays $8,894 annually times were much different and much harder back then but I wonder how much oh and I forgot to say this thing she um so she's to help her family even before she uh moved to the city of Atlanta to help her family she left school at the age of 10 and began working at the factory so that was before her mom remarried she'd already quit school and was like fuck that I need to like go make money yeah so then, um, so then when they moved to Atlanta, she got a job at the pencil factory, and her job was to put the rubber erasers on the back of pencils. Oh, she had to manually do that. Yeah, yeah because they didn't have the machines that they have now. Yeah. So back to April 26th, it says 2013, I mean 1913, <laughs> uh, Mary went to Leo Frank to get her last pay. Which was a dollar and twenty cents. Oh, poor girl wanted a dollar and twenty cents. Dude, a dollar and twenty cents ended her life. Because oh, she went well, there to no, get the that's even worse. It was cash, so you could just steal it from her. It's not like it was no, a it was a check. You imagine writing a check for a dollar twenty? That was a lot of money back then. The check. I'm just saying, like writing. I wonder and, how um, much stuff cost. Like, how much was a loaf of bread back then? Like, probably like three cents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was never seen again until 3 a.m. on April 27th, 2000, I mean, 1913. Dude, April 27th is my birthday. That's why that date looks so familiar. <gasps> That's my birthday. How funny. Uh, I kept looking at it, too, and I, I kept, and I was like, oh, maybe, and I kept putting 2013. <laughs> but that's when we met was April 2013, so I thought, oh, maybe it's just because that's, like, my anniversary month. And year, mm-hmm. but it's really supposed to be April 27th, 1913. Wow. Um, so her body was found on my birthday. Yes. 
but like 80, 90 years prior, 80 years, 70 years prior. That's just sad, though. Okay, so, and this is, and she was found when Newt Lee, the night watchman, went down to the basement. Mary's dress was up around her waist, and she had bruises and scratches everywhere. There was a cord wrapped around her neck that dug in a quarter of an inch, suggesting that she was strangled to death. I don't want to get into the gruesome details because this is not a murder show, but let's just say it was quite apparent she had been raped, beaten, and murdered. Blood was everywhere. I mean, that's pretty graphic already, so yeah. So the yeah. No. Police improperly handled the crime scene. A trail that showed her body had been drugged through, like some dust, a dust trail type thing, you know, like because yeah. it's down in the basement. Um, there was police footprints all through that trail. And police didn't even try to investigate footprints or fingerprints. They just haphazardly were looking at the crime scene and fucking with every piece of evidence. I swear to God, Max, our seven-year-old, could do better than these police did. Mm. And meanwhile, there were two murder notes found with Mary's body. They Notes? They left notes? Yeah, but they don't really... They come up later, but what they say, they use the N-word... A lot in reference to a black man, but was back she then black? was she black. She was white. Oh, because they're trying to blame a black guy. Oh, but oh, always on the black. Okay, but yeah. it doesn't. I'm not even gonna repeat what it says because it doesn't really make any sense, and I don't know why they would leave a murder note saying anything like this. Well, you can like read this. a murder note and then just say N word instead of saying it. Well, no, it doesn't make any sense though. The murder notes don't make any sense. Well, we want to know what they say. So I found the notes, and the first note said. Quote, unquote, he said he would love me, land down, play like the night witch, did it, but that long, tall, black N-word did boy his self. I told you, it doesn't make any sense. The next one says, ma'am, that N-word higher down here did this, I want to make water, and he pushed me down that hole, a long, tall N-word black, that who it was, long, slim, tall N-word, I write while play with me. The rich white guy did this trying to make him yeah. sound like a stupid black guy. He's totally he saying totally uneducated back in that day. Like, yeah, he's totally he's totally playing it. Totally like, trying to say that like that blame it on this black person. Wait, so the, the, it, whether what all of this stuff is not what we're focused on. We're not focused on the trial. We're focused on how the media fucked with the trial. But this wouldn't this be part of it because this is not evidence the in the trial. Here, move so your did face the media back. actually see that? Yes. So then it could be Okay, why don't we find out together? Okay. Because I already together. know, but we can do it together now. Together forever. Okay. Just uh, the three of us. Oh my gosh, Suzanne Summers just died, RIP. I heard about that. Because she was in the Three's Company, right? Yeah. Oh my yes. god. I feel like we're and more the... the Master commercial, don't I, I feel like we're more the Three Stooges than the Three's <laughs> Company, but... At first, police thought Newt Lee had moved the body. Newt Lee was arrested, as well as one of Mary's friends and co-worker Alonzo Mann. Both Newt and Alonzo were cleared pretty quickly and released. New information came to light when police found blood and hair on the second floor near Leo Frank's office. April 29, 2013, Leo Frank was arrested for the murder. He was only 29 years old. Leo, Leo was held at Fulton County Jail. The Atlanta Georgian 
uh, an Atlanta-based news publication ran with the story. It was definitely a hot topic. Wealthy man brutally rapes and murders a young girl. What the papers failed to put a spotlight on was the fact that the police had arrested another man two days after Leo Frank was arrested. That other man was a janitor by the name of Jim Connolly. Jim Connolly was seen washing a shirt that had looked like it had was soaked in blood. They also started to believe Jim wrote the mo- murder notes. And Jim was a black man. After being interrogated for two weeks, Jim finally caved and said that Leo had paid him to write the notes after he had confessed to murdering Mary. Investigators got Jim to write three different affidavits against Leo. And get this, the small details in the written affidavits were not consistent. His story kept changing. Other than the three main points that Frank murdered Mary, Frank paid Jim to dispose of the body and write the notes, and the notes were placed to implicate Newt Lee or William Knoll, another factory worker. And you are right, Brad, that they were trying to pin it on a, on a black man because back then they thought that they were, like, stupid and can't read and, you know... Um, Leo Frank's lawyers thought the, that the mismatched affidavits would hold no water with the jury and it would all just be fine. Unfortunately, through media coverage, the world learned that Leo Frank was Jewish, um, which news outlets really emphasized. And at the time, much of America had a history of anti-Semitism. The Atlanta Georgian would write many publications incriminating Leo Frank and turning, um, being biased and pushing the narrative that for sure Leo did it. They even doctored up a photo and put the head of Mary on an even worse battered body. Oh my God. A picture that was supposedly taken at the morgue. So they lied to be like, this is what he did to her. Look at this. And they put it for the public to view? Yeah. In the newspaper. The the paper even... That's disgusting. She was only 13. Yeah, and the paper even offered an $1,800 reward for any information leading to an arrest. Newspapers across the country combined the truth, rumors, and speculation, all with a biased view against Leo Frank and the fact that he was Jewish. But wasn't there blood found by his office, so that's kind of suspect anyway. But they find out later that it wasn't that it wasn't hers, and they find out everything later. They couldn't even know. But yeah, but it's still like it's just. There's no DNA in 1913. Oh yeah, there's no. No, there's no DNA. It's blood. When the when the when the public spoke about the case and their opinions were brought to light, they were unanimous. Leo Frank was a murderer, and they expected Leo to be brought to justice and pay for Mary's murder. The prosecutor in the case was Hugh Dorsey, and he was already on thin ice, as he had already lost his last two high-profile cases. In Hugh Dorsey's mind, Leo Frank was guilty, and he would not lose. May 23, 1913, the trial began, only a mere one month later, after the murders. Hugh Dorsey, which I think is, like, really quick, that they would even be able to indict and do all this stuff like yeah, that. one month. One month yeah. is crazy. I mean, there's people that in, in now in our justice system that sit for years wow. in jail. But it's because there's like a because of the fucking thousand people like with all these things going on. Not back then. There's like ten people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I thought about that too. But even back then, I think it took longer than a month. I think they sped it up because of the media, and that's the point Probably. of that. 
So Hugh Dorsey barely had enough evidence for an indictment, but promised he would have more at the trial. And the fucking jury, who is biased, allowed that and said, cool, let's do an indict, like, let's indict him. Let's roll with it on the promise that you'll get more evidence because you don't have enough to charge him right now. But hey... I'm sure you'll find some because, oh yeah, you're gonna we're gonna make sure you find some. Yeah, yeah. Leo Leo Frank's legal team tried to tell the media that it was Jim Conley who was the murderer and that he acted alone. The media had already made up their minds. Leo's legal team tried to indict indict Jim, but the jury denied their request. Oh wow. July 28, 1913, the the real trial started at Fulton County Superior Court. There were hundreds of spectators inside and hundreds more outside that were, like, peering through windows. During trial, there were several witnesses of Leo Frank's timeline and that he simply would not have had the time to do the murder. While the prosecutors tried to paint a picture of Leo being grabby with the girls and having secret rendezvous in his office they they the several girls that stood witness claimed that they had never seen leo flirt flirt touch or do anything inappropriate with any of the workers they all said he was a good guy while the trial moved on to um on to times they they realized that many did not even arrive to his office Oh, Mary. Sorry. While the trial moved on to, like, the times and when, like, the time frame, um, they realized that Mary could not have even arrived to his office until um, 12.15 or so because of the train schedule. Oh. So, they're like, it's a two to four minute walk. The train arrived at, like, 12.09. Yeah. Yeah. And so, therefore, Leo couldn't have murdered her at noon because she wasn't even there. Yeah, didn't match the time Nothing was matching up. Nothing added up. Yeah. Yeah. So, they theorized that the murder would have taken about 30 minutes. So, they're, like, starting to, like, piece all the timelines together. Mm -hmm. So, the trial goes back and forth. And um, since we're here to talk about the media interference, um, we're going to get back to that because I'm not going to sit here and tell you about a trial that lasted for two years. Yeah. Because there's no point in that. So, at the end of the day, Leo Frank was found guilty and was sentenced to death by hanging. Whoa, they did death by hanging? Uh-huh. He was one of the last ones. Wow. That were sentenced to that. That's crazy. Leo's legal legal team worked to appeal his conviction, citing that he was the victim of a biased jury and a prejudiced community. Mm. None of the appeals worked. Luckily, his lawyers never stopped and was able to get the governor, John Sayatan, who had been elected in 1912, and his t- his term was coming to an end with like four days left. Um, he was he was able to they were able to contact him, and he removed the death penalty and changed it just to life in prison. Oh, he knowing that there would be backlash. Salton gave a statement to justify his actions to the public. He stated that with the new evidence that came, that there was new evidence that was brought to him, he is not 100% that he murdered Mary. And he goes on to list the evidence to prove his point. So he's there listing, listing, listing all this, the reasoning why he changed his mind that he doesn't want him to get to be hung mm-hmm. he said he would pardon leo if he hadn't believed he would be out because of this evidence just on his own like oh, he doesn't okay. even need to yeah. pardon him because he'll be out in like a month anyway yeah the public went fucking apeshit crazy a mob formed outside his home the police and the georgia national guard had to come in the governor and his wife 
moved because of the madness, moved out of Georgia, and he was a favorable governor. Like, people really liked him, and he had to fucking move out of town because the media was so fucking crazy. That's pretty crazy if they had to move. Right before Salton changed his sentencing, the prison had moved him to Milledgeville State Penitentiary, so they knew that, they knew that the mayor was going to change his sentencing, so they moved him in the middle of the night for oh. his safety. Yeah. They did do it under, like, the cover of the night. Yeah. And this new prison was 150 miles away and was heavily guarded. Also, and like I said, it was done in the middle of the night. And this was all done for Leo's protection because they knew that there would be backlash and they didn't want yeah. somebody to know where he was and invade the prison. Except a few days later, the New York Times reported a fellow inmate, w- William Crean, <sighs> attempted to murder Leo with a seven-inch butcher knife, slitting his throat. Oh, my. And his aorta. Whoa. He survived. Surprisingly, he survived. And he, um, and this guy thought that he was, William Keene thought that he was doing the prison a favor because he was like, we don't need that kind of shit here. We, he's yeah. a murderer, he's this. Well, I don't want any part of this shit in my prison. Well, also, and he, like, because he's like, I have to live here. Like, fuck this. Get this guy out of here. Prison. Yeah, we've been a clean prison, right? <laughs> then also, the other thing, too, is like, even nowadays, if you go to jail and people find out you're like a baby killer yeah. or a child, you hurt children or you're like a rapist or anything against children or women, like, they will kill you. They, yeah. They will kill They'll you. They'll handle so, it in there, yeah. yeah. So then four days later, Tom Watson wrote a piece in the Jeff. Jeffersonian and Watson's magazine advocating for Leo's lynching. So this reporter is saying, I want Leo, or Leo, Leo Frank should be lynched. He should be hung. This is bullshit. He already got slit by a knife. He should have done the job. Uh, you know, and like putting it in it, let's finish, finish it off. Yeah. So this, of course, caught the eyes of men that named themselves, it's a group of men that named themselves Vigilance Committee and set a plan to kidnap Leo from prison and hang him themselves. They had a well-thought-out plan. Each of the 28 men had a job to do. There was an electrician to cut the wires, a locksmith to, like, pick the locks, like, everything. They even had lookouts for the town ahead. So as the um, as they were going through one town, that town, the lookout will call the oh, next town to say they're coming. Yeah. They're yeah. coming to be, like, lookout, and they did it in the dead of night. On August 16th, 1915, eight cars piled with these vigilantes broke into the prison, subduing the car guards, but not one single shot was fired. So were they really subduing the guards or were the guards in on it? They had to be in on it unless what they do, like choke them out or something? The guards are always in on it. Yeah. They sell you drugs and cell phones, like they're always in on it. So they stole Leo Frank, drove 175 miles to Mary's hometown of Marietta, Georgia, and hung him in a tree facing Mary's childhood home. Oh, wow. Hundreds of people came to see him. Even preachers, like, it was like everybody wanted to see his body. Who were these 28 men? The truth did not come out until June 2000. Some of these, some of the, these names were governors, mayors, lawyers, bankers, current and former sheriffs at the time. That's who went out and lynched him. Uh huh. A group of like governors, mayors, like of Georgia, like the mayor of um, that county. Did they do it for political reasons or just because the media pressured them? The media was the, they're they're blaming the media for anti-Semitism because he's Jewish, and photos of the lynching were put on postcards. 
and sold for 25 cents. That's a lot of money if you make only 10 cents an hour. And pieces of the rope, Leo's clothes, all sorts of souvenirs, pieces of the tree. For $1.20. Pieces of the tree were sold. Pieces of the tree? The leaves, everything. The poor tree had to die too? Yes. After the hanging, over 3,000 Jews had to leave Georgia. And the ones that stuck around. Uh huh. The ones that stuck around could hardly leave their house and they had to board up their windows even during the trial. So the Jewish people that were living in Georgia at the time had to have their windows boarded up. They were being um, harassed in the streets just because they were Jewish. So they had to either say that they weren't Jewish or they had to all because of the media was emphasizing that a Jewish man did this to a girl. And this was like the what nineteen fifteen. And also because yes, and because he was a high standing person in the Jewish com- community. So if he could do this, then somebody who's lower stand not yeah standard, would follow suit and yeah. is probably raping and murdering her little girls too. Yeah, the lower class would be worse if he's the upper class. Uh huh. Okay. So yeah. Tom Watson wrote in the Jeffersonian. Um, the headline was the voice of the people is the voice of God like saying like God would want him hung hmm. due to Tom Watson's anti-Leo Frank articles the Jeffersonian went from selling 25000 per issue pre-trial to 87000 by the time Leo had died wow that's a big jump mm-hmm. and people love the drama and they love exciting news over the truth after years, 71 to be exact, of re-examining the case and trying to bring justice to Leo's death in a murder he did not commit, they finally did it. They had enough evidence to prove that Leo was innocent. He was posthumously pardoned by the Georgia State Board in June of 1986. The main, 1986? Yeah. The main reason was Mary's friend Alonzo Mann finally came forward to say he had lied. Wait, who lied? Alonzo Mann, the friend and co-worker that was arrested, was one of the first people arrested. Yeah. He saw Jim Conley holding Mary's dead body, and Jim said if Alonzo said anything, he would kill him. Alonzo even told his mom, and his mom said to be quiet, don't say anything. Well, yeah, she's going to protect her kid, but fuck. Alonzo's new testimony, along with witnesses who said they lied, and all the new evidence, it was clear that Leo Frank was not given a fair trial. So this is this case is more not so much if he did it or not mm-hmm. the fairness of the trial because of the media bias. Yes. While the Georgia Board of Pardons and Patrols did not declare Leo Frank in, as innocent, they did say there was an injustice done to him and the state did not protect him as they were supposed to do by law. It is clear the role the uh, the role the bias me- media played in this trial as well as so many other trials and events that happened. So the question is, how do we, as normal people, get the truth? So for one, we can can listen to us. Because we tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> listen to conspiracies online. We tell the truth. No, but really, um, so one, div- diversify your sources. If you hear something on CNN, see what Fox and ABC and CBS has to say about it as well. It's like with everything in life. There are two sides to every story, and the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Number two, you can fact check. Do not share fake shit on social media. That is how you are contributing to the divide of humanity, as well as spreading bullshit. I'm not going to lie. I've been guilty of it. But then I realized most of what is going on around social media, 
the memes, the cartoons, the gifs, the reels, etc. are completely false and are put there for clickbait or because they know people will believe it. It's just entertainment purposes. Yeah. It's just funny. Number three, be mindful of emotional appeals. Just like in the Leo Frank case, everyone was so focused on the murder of Mary, they threw out facts out the window. The timeline didn't even make sense, and they just threw out the facts because the media swayed their decision and pulled at their heartstrings. The media is doing it with Israel and Palestine right now. You hear about the killings on both sides with hardly any factual information. Just people are dying. Well, how are we supposed to make any sort of opinion? They're pulling at our heartstrings. Mm -hmm. Number four would be recognize your own bias. I know, I know, you don't have any bias and you are neutral. Well, that's all fucking bullshit. <laughs> Everyone has is biased to some degree. If a 50-year-old male got hit by a car and a 5-year-old got hit by a car, who would you feel worse for? The five-year-old, there's your bias. The facts are two people got hit by a car and died, but you feel worse for the five-year-old. That's bias. That's emotional bias. Um, that is a bias that the media can use to get to your emotional side or pol or politically. If you are liberal, you will have a left-blue-leaning view, same as Republican, having a right-red leaning view. Realizing we are all a little biased can help you be self-aware of it and help you navigate through bias media. Be purple. So, <laughs> be, purple. be in the middle, red and blue, be purple. So, that is my Leo K story and how the media m killed him. Because he should have sat and rotted in jail if he had done it. The truth would have come out and it would have gotten handled. And I'm sure that they would have if they had more evidence that proved that he did do it. That maybe he would have. But the fact that people home. lied, it just it just messed up everything too, mm -hmm. though. Because they weren't honest. So yeah, the media wasn't honest, and they were they were um, perpetuating the wrong information. Not only the wrong information, but the wrong facts about the wrong people. So, um, do you guys have any thoughts before I wrap up the recording? I mean, I guess I, the only thought that I have is that, well, not the only thought, but one of the thoughts I have is that I didn't realize how powerful the media was that long ago. In my mind, media got powerful once, like, the television was invented. Mm hmm Or social media. But, well, I'm thinking, like, television, because that's when, like, they started doing, like, you know, more um, broadcasting to more people, so they yeah. had more reach. I mean, they did have the radio, which was also media, but, um, so I guess with the radio and the television, just because they could reach more people more rapidly than, like, a yeah. newspaper, you have to wait for, you know, and you may or may not get the newspaper or whatever, but, um, it, I don't know, I just never thought that it was that bad I knew it was bad. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that I, you didn't. You I didn't know, know that, that the media was so influential back then. then. Yeah, you thought That's it was unbiased. You thought yeah. it was more unbiased, and I did yeah. too. And then also, you don't really think about it. Like it's not something that you think about until you, until like you bring it to light. Like I just did. Yeah. I never thought about it either until um, something caught my eye online a few weeks ago, and so I I looked more into it and found this case, and I was like, oh my god. Because you're talking People about... People need to know about this. You're like, the media about, is massive, like, really biased. And 1913, 1915. Yeah. I mean, that's so That was when journalism ago. was supposed to still be real and mm -hmm. factual. I mean, Brad, Brad's mom worked at the newspaper, and she used to say that um, it was super factual 
just a few years ago when obviously it wasn't even factual then it's a lot closer to me than the internet the internet is like the radio you're trying to and the tv you're trying to sell something yeah you're selling a product whereas the newspaper people want to read that to get facts like that's what it in my opinion that's what it was for. that then that makes sense except do you think the newspaper writers know that so they can put whatever they want because well, they can't like if you watch movies <laughs> there used to be invest investigative reporters and things like that now everybody's like you watch like you said you watch cnn oh this happened because of this and then you watch fox they say the exact same thing but against the other person they're like yeah. literally just like so obviously both of you are probably lying a little bit like and somewhere in the middle is the truth for you know like let's go right let's go left we gotta you know make money and blah 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 yeah it's all mm -hmm. bullshit yeah so be investigative do your work Yes, so this doesn't happen again. And actually, there was a lot of um, good that came from it. They did make a, um, different laws and stuff in Leo Frank's honor, and things did happen, anti-discriminatory discriminatory laws and mm -hmm. unbiased and things like it that. Like it did. That is correct. <laughs> so, yeah. So, okay, well, um, don't forget to like, share, comment, um, and email us your thoughts, conspiracyisunlocked at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. Did you say that? Yes, I did. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.